This is the ninth season for Greyhouse Haunts in Holdridge, Nebraska. We'll find out what's in store. That's coming up on today's show. From HAN, I'm Philip, and this is day 58 of our 61-day Hauntathon, where we're counting down to Halloween by visiting a different haunted house every day here on the show. Today is Friday, October 28th, and there are three days until Halloween. Remember that the best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along, sign up to our free weekly industry newsletter at the link in our show notes. Nestled in rural Nebraska, Greyhouse Haunts is a 7,000-square-foot linear haunt celebrating their ninth season this year. Today, we'll speak with owner Jan Knuth about the season and also what it's like haunting in an isolated area. Here's Jan. My name is Jan Knuth. I live in Holdridge, Nebraska, and I own and operate Greyhouse Haunts, a Halloween haunted attraction in October. It is a traditional, I guess if you want to call it traditional Halloween haunted house, it's actually in a house, three total stories. It's about 7,000 square feet, including a very large backyard. And I got to go the traditional route. It's the Victorian haunted mansion kind of thing. Um, I rely almost entirely on actors. We don't use much for animatronics whatsoever. I find people much scarier than animatronics. Props are great, but people are better. We've been around, let's see, this year is our ninth year. And I, I did home haunting for seven years before that. So I've been around for a minute. But yeah, I love it. I love the creativity of it and obviously the scaring people. Walk me through the guest experience or the storyline. Tell us a little bit about what it's like when somebody arrives. I have three entrances, exterior doors. And so I can change the direction anytime I want to with just turning the lights a little or instead of the prop facing this doorway, it faces this doorway. And so that gives me a lot of flexibility. I can make the haunt look really different just by taking them in a different doorway. This year they're going through the front door, but this is literally the only the third time in nine years they've ever gone through the front door. I'm going with the house theme because it is a house. I can't make it look like an alien ship, so well, I could, but I'm not going to. Yeah, it's classic house. I wanted to go back in time, partly because this is supposed to be escapism. It's not supposed to be 2020 over and over, like Groundhog Day or something. So I wanted it to be escapism. And <clears throat> I used Grey House because the home haunt that I started at my home is at my house, which is gray. And so that's where the name came from. It's not Gray's Anatomy. It's none of those things. But so it's Dr. Gray, though. And he was a doctor in the Civil War for the Confederacy. And so when he went away to war, his diabolical work was continued by Isabel the Witch. And when he returns, this is what he's found. And of course, by this point, he is completely mad. And so it's various members of his family and his creations and mutations. I found that for most of our customers, and maybe not everyone finds this, but I definitely have, is that while I love a good werewolf, it's really hard to make them realistic enough to be truly scary. I don't have those types of skills that some of these fabricators do, but I can make people scary. 
And people are scary. Even in escapism, they are scary. And making them warped and mutated and those types of things, I can achieve that. And that's also part of what I love about what I do is I get to also teach that to my actors. How do you become scary? Do you have an example of someone that you have worked with where they had a, a huge transformation from you cast them, but then you taught them how to be scary? I had a gal... And it was several years ago, and she was only able to do it one year. But when she first came, she wouldn't speak to anyone. I finally said, I'm just going to put you on this table. It's the only time I've ever used a true stereotypical victim role. Because I want all aggressors. I want them all to be aggressive, and I want them all to be attacking. And so I, I often don't use victims unless the victim is leading them somewhere. But I put her in the true victim role. She's on the table, and she's being filleted and all this nasty, gory stuff. And what I discovered was about halfway through the night, she started screaming. And what it was, she had to have permission to come out of herself enough to make a noise. And so that's what she did the whole season. I taught her how to scream in different volumes and those types of things to save her throat. But by the end of the season, she was speaking to the other actors. And I think she had just literally never had permission to be noisy and get a little crazy. And I wish she'd been able to stay with us a few seasons because I think she could have just done amazing things, not just haunt-wise, but for her own self-confidence. Talk to me a little bit about why you don't like having any victim roles in the haunt. (sighs) (laughs) Largely, victims are women. I happen to be a woman. And so I like my female characters to be very powerful. I made the comment that that a couple of times I've used your stereotypical female victim, but in a way that she's leading you somewhere. And I literally had a victim leading people through the basement one year, frantically trying to get the keys so she could let them all out because the serial killer's after them. And what it really was, she was taking them to the killer. So she was a victim, but she was actually an accomplice. I know that showing a victim, whether it's male or female, expresses a vulnerability to the customer. But I also think that if you use the ebb and flow properly in your show, constant attack, constant mentality of wolf pack, which is what I want for my actors, is every bit as effective as a screaming woman on a table. Why do you think escapism is important and how do you view it as escapism? I think it's very much like going to a horror movie. It is escapism, it, but it's a different type of escapism. Some people love to be scared and that's their form of escapism and that's how they get to win. So they survived the horror movie and so that's their win. And they get a rush from that, they get adrenaline from that. And so a haunted house, ideally is that scary, but it's actually a step above because you're in the horror movie. You're not just watching it, you're in it. And so when they come out and they hit that exit and they've gone through the photo op and, of co- and hopefully they've bought some of my merchandise, they all, they celebrate. They get in a little group 
and they're just off to the side in the dark somewhere, and they celebrate, and they laugh, and they relive it, and what it is they survive. It, it becomes very primal. They didn't actually fight a demon. They didn't actually get past Dr. Gray and his machete, but primordially, I can't even say that word, they survived, and so they get to celebrate, and that's how it's escapism, and it's also, we don't have to go out and fight saber-toothed tigers anymore. And so this is a way of us getting to fight the monster without truly being in danger. And then we get the win. Talk to me a little bit about being in a rural area. This year, I think total, I think I have a staff of 35, and I think about six of them live in the town I'm in which is not common for rural areas. There's lots of villages and they drive to you. But that also means my customers have to drive to me. And so, yeah, being sole outlier, um, I, I have to pull them in. Every year I pull them in and each year we've grown. And some of it is too that I've just, I've learned some of the things to do and not to do and where not to waste my money, that kind of stuff. But it is, it is a little bit difficult being out here because there's a, an area very close to me called the Tri-City area. It's not cities. <laughs> it's large towns. But they have the population for this part of the state. And so anybody that is not within that triangle, it's like pulling teeth to get them to come here. The amount of people that have told me they will pray for me Oh, God. (laughs) Uh, It's astonishing at times. I think there's just another stereotype that someone that does something like this must have something wrong with them. And in a way, yeah, we do a little. We just enjoy maybe darker things. We have interesting props in our offices, but it doesn't make us any different. If you watch me walk into a store, you just think they're soccer mom slash grandma. I might have a couple more tattoos or I might have a couple more earrings, but I'm not really that much different than anybody else. Most people don't even believe I run a Halloween haunted house. What do you think sets you apart from, I'm not sure if there is anybody around the area, but is there any other? Uh, There is a haunt an hour south of me, a little over an hour. And then there's a, a corn maze animatronic-based event about an hour northeast of me. We actually, that event and my event, opened the exact same night, the exact same year, and we didn't know we were opening. (laughs) But they are very much animatronic-based, so it's a very different experience, and they're outdoors. So they're in a corn maze with animatronics, and I do think they've peppered in some actors. But yeah, I think the actors still set us apart. It's because because of the way I, we're structured, literally structured, I pretty much have to have an actor in every single space because I can't have eyes on the customers if I don't. In, in the larger events, they could have one person on a catwalk that can see for 50 yards. I don't have that. My rooms are 8 by 10 and 10 by 12. So once they pass that doorway, no one's eyes are on them. And wasting one room and one in the house is a huge, huge waste. So 
Yeah. It's pretty well actor-saturated. But we do have four stairwells. And so their breathing space is the stairwell. Don't scare on the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, walk us through your dates and times and all that. Yeah, we're open October 14th, 15th, 21st, 22nd, the 28th, 29th, and then, of course, Halloween night. And that's lights out night. So other than stairwells and exit signs, which are required by law, the lights are off. And that's always a good night because Halloween night out here in the sticks, people don't leave town. You stay where you are. So it gives the people in our community of Holdridge the opportunity to come back and yet see it very differently. And so they get glow sticks and that's it. And the actors love it. They just love it. They can hide in plain sight. They don't have to sit in a closet all night because no one can see them until the glow stick is on them. So that's always a good time. Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope and original music composed by Chris Thomas. We're counting down to Halloween with daily podcasts, videos, and events in our 61-day Hauntathon. Follow along at the link in our show notes. Our Hauntathon is made possible through generous support from Gantam Lighting and Controls. Gantam illuminates attractions worldwide with the world's smallest intelligent spotlights. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. That's gantam.com demo. Our Hauntathon team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Louise Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Omni Adventures. Our partners for this year's Hauntathon include Sharp Productions, HorrorBuzz.com, ScareTrack, TheScareFactor.com, and Hauntopic Radio. The best way you can support us this Halloween season is by sharing our Hauntathon with someone you think will enjoy it. And to follow along to our Hauntathon, sign up for our weekly newsletter at HauntedAttractionNetwork.com. We'll catch you back here tomorrow and every day until Halloween. This is a Haunted Attraction Network production.